0: <laughs> um, hello ladies and gentlemen, I'm very glad to be uh, here, I'm very honoured to be invited to this nice event. I come from a German NGO, a German non-governmental um, organisation for the protection of nature and environment. And um, we have been dealing with um, the German Green Belt, which is somehow like the DMZ in Korea for over um, 40 years. Well, when in the 1970s um, the Cold War separated Europe from the Barents Sea to the Black Sea, nobody thought of nature. As it is in Korea even today, uh, families in Germany and in Europe were separated from each other. Hundreds of people died trying to cross the inner german border, and more than 10,000 people were um, forcedly resettled from their homesteads because the GDR wanted to secure its border. In that period, there was a 15-year-old ornithologist. Kai Fobel and his friends made a very surprising experience. When they were mapping Soil breeding birds near, in a county near the uh, West German border. They discovered that, although in the surrounding intensified landscape, there was almost none of these birds. In the death strip, there were rare windsheds like pearls on a necklace. And of course, this nobody thought of this before. Um, a scientific ornithological mapping along 140 kilometers of the border in the 18th from the western side followed. And there were much more birds in this death strip than in every surrounding area. Of course, only these birds only could be um, watched from the western side because from the eastern side it was forbidden. And um, But of course, Birds can be watched with binoculars, they can be heard by their calls, and so Western ornithologists could um, see these birds, while Eastern ornithologists couldn't. But in the adjoining Eastern county in Sonneberg, um, there was another young ornithologist. Gunther Behring, he always wanted to know where the birds would fly when uh, flying to the border, but he couldn't. So he nerfed his parents and relatives um, to find him somebody who could tell him this. And so uh, somebody made him the contact to Kai Frobel and the boys exchanged their observations, um, of of course uh, observed by the state. Even in 1981, nine years before the reunification, um, there was a newspaper article who stated this experience and said, well, it's something like an evidence of our incapacity if we need a death strip to have this biodiversity. Well... Then the political change came, and the existing contacts between the two boys and also friendships between West German nature conservationists of BUND and GDR activists for civil rights and environmental justice helped BUND to initiate a first cross-border meeting only one month after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Kai Frobel and Professor Dr. Hubert Weiger invited 23 GDR ecologists for an exchange about the relevance of this death strip for biodiversity. Also up to then, there was no email, there was no WhatsApp, and on the eastern side, often not even a telephone, the organizers were completely surprised by 400 participants from all over the GDR. There was a big exchange about the political situation, about the ecology on both sides, about individual life stories, and of course about the species and habitats of this border area. Everybody agreed that although for human rights and democracy it was essential to deconstruct this inhuman border, um, it would be a pity not to preserve this treasury of biodiversity. The participants um, invented their term Green Belt and adopted a resolution for its protection. The vision of overcoming the border by cooperating for nature grew and with Band Deutschland or Green Ribbon or Green Belt, the first pan-German project on eye level started, which is extraordinary because there was little real discussion between East and West. And there was another result of this meeting. In Thuringia, a branch of BUND, Friends of the Earth Germany, was founded, dealing with the impacts of economic development in the new federal states and starting model project projects. In, in the Green Belt and the former, less intensively used border area, there's a significant amount of rare habitats and species, like it is in DMZ as well. As the death strip was always kept open to allow better sight for the border control and thus prevent people from crossing the border, there are several open land habitats, dry and red meadows, heathland and moors. But there are forests and natural rivers too. The German Green Belt now is part of 12,500 kilometers um, of European Green Belt, because the former Iron Curtain separated Europe. From, and now it connects 24 countries from the Barents Sea to the um, Black Sea. The German and even more the European Green Belt are important habitat corridors, especially in times of climate change and loss of biodiversity. Today, they connect big isolated habitats with each other. But the Green Belt is also a memorial landscape. If there was nothing left um, from border installations and from changes in landscape structure, how could we tell our children and grandchildren our story? How could we learn from history and shape the future? Well, after the political change, some people didn't want to see any relic of the border. But in more than 30 years, this attitude changed. People see now that the Green Belt is a good place to tell each other stories of life, to share them with the offsprings and with the people on the other side of the former border. And knowing each other's story is the best base to understand each other and to minimize conflicts. And the Green Belt is not only a model for the preservation of biodiversity and of commemorative culture, it's also an example for the possibility of civil society to shape our future. It's an example for cooperating in the preservation and sustainable development. But although many people joined this vision, the protection of the Green Belt was not easy. In turbulent times, nature conservation is given low priority. There was a big pressure on soil for new roads, commercial areas, mining, and intensive agriculture. Especially Eastern German suffered from unforeseen consequences of this political change. They lost jobs, had to adopt new lives, and get to terms with a new system. Nature conservation really is not... Prioritary in these times often, and the topic was highly emotional. People during the Cold War had been disowned by the state, and any restriction, even for good purposes, like nature conservation, was felt or called second expropriation. Focusing on preservation of nature and environment, not only in the green belt, by some is seen as intervention into freedom. some residents didn't want to see any longer the relics of the border which has changed but um, now the discussion about the necessity of areas for nature um, it was harder at the green belt but we had to persist also we understood emotions and concerns of the people because they ha- you have to be uh, concerned about it uh, while we still fought for the green belt because we need nature, if not for itself, at least for producing food and surviving as a manhood. We need functioning ecosystems, not only for nice pictures, but for for our existence. And we also need places to remember the past, to meet and to shape our future, especially in times when seemingly every group is fighting the other. In times of climate change and decreasing biodiversity, we need joint efforts for joint solutions. The green belt might be a blueprint for it. And the only way to protect this green belt was persistence, talking to residents and politicians, initiating model projects, mapping species, networking from the local to the international level, talking and working, talking and working for almost 35 years. Second, to preserve the public-owned plots from free sale to private, which would have torn the lifeline into pieces. Twenty years after it, 2010, these plots were transferred to the federal states for nature protection. Third, to get a protection status for the green belt as a whole. Starting in Thuringia, 2018, most respective areas were the designated national nature monument. Well, what is important as well was to build a network crossing borders, also those in mind. Since <clears throat> 2005, we developed an international network of GOs and NGOs in, two th- in 24 countries along the former Iron Curtain, today's European Green Belt. Well, what could we learn from the German Green Belt? What might be relevant for Korea and its demilitarized DMG. <laughs> When a Korean researcher in 2006 came to Germany, she visited parts of the German Green Belt, talked to BUND activists and stakeholders to understand and to describe the phenomenon Green Belt. She found out lots of things about nature and history and about the way we deal with the Green Belt. But one thing surprised her most. The way how such a big, complex and even international project not only was initially initiated by a non-governmental organization, by civil society, but still is managed on I-level by GOs and NGOs together. And this not only on international, but even on international level. Started by young boys in a border region counting birds, BND pushed the Green Belt forward, demanding preservation and sustainable treatment of the Green Belt, reclaiming big interventions in this 1989 almost undisected gigantic biotope corridor, and demanding solutions for the preservation of biodiversity. When the administration was afraid to get into conflict with land users, D did not escape, escape the challenge. But this is the advantage of civil society and associations supported by lots of engaged volunteers in the regions. There's freedom of, of thinking and visions can be created and followed. To summarize it, why is the Green Belt so important for humanity? It's a treasury for biodiversity and a gigantic gigantic biotope corridor that allows species migration, which is important, especially in times of climate change. It's a more memorial landscape where we can deal with the past, and it's a vision for peaceful cooperation in discussing problems like loss like of biodiversity, climate change, and decreasing resources on eye-level and finding so joint solutions. So, and what can we... Can we well, what we, can we recommend you for DMG? DMZ has even longer separated people from each other. There are few persons still remembering the time before the separation. Nature had longer time to develop in the shadow of the border. It has developed a much broader but shorter nature reserve than the German Green Belt. So especially if a reunification were reality, I would say the following. In times of loss of biodiversity, it's important to preserve such a big and undisturbed area. Don't sacrifice it in the name of economic development. You will never have the chance to rebuild such a nature reserve when once it is destroyed. Use the DMZ for memorizing the past. Don't destroy all the relics of the human border. Build border museums, for example, near observation towers. And Belt is also a peace project. Use it for dialogue, cooperation, understanding, and for better solutions for joint problems. Listen to North Koreans and try to understand their lives. It will minimize many future problems if a new unified Korea would be built together. Bring especially young people from both sides together to make them understand each other and cooperate with, nature, with each other for peace and nature protection. Thank you. Gamsam